the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed, it is the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get underway now at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 11th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. My goodness gracious, we got a program for you today. Peter Kersenow, it's Kersenow Day. I love Tuesdays. I love Tuesdays because they're cursing out days. Peter will be joining us in about five minutes after 10 o'clock on a wide variety of issues. More specifically, it's going to be more general. Yeah, I know that sounds uh, very contradictory. But what I mean is, uh, when I discussed our conversation today with Pete, uh, and, you know, there's always a host of different issues for us to get into. We're going to talk about, um, uh, you know, the Supreme Court uh, turning away from uh, the opportunity to limit uh, funding by way of Medicaid to Planned Parenthood, deciding not to hear that case. You know, we're going to talk about the funding of the wall, all these various different things we're going to do. But Pete said to me, Bob, can we do this today? I said, what's that? He said, I want to just talk about where the country is at the midpoint of the Trump presidency. We're just at two years now, and I want to talk about the general direction. And I said, okay, there's a lot of specifics in that, obviously, because there are some things I think we could all agree upon at the second uh, you know, at the end of the second year of Trump, and that'll be official, of course, on January 20th, but we're close enough. Um, there are some of these things where we say, what is the direction of the country? We say it's on the upward swing. It's trending up. It's it's a positive direction. And others, however, I think we could agree, uh, are not so positive. They may be actually trending in the net- negative direction. So while he wants to talk about the general direction of the country, there will be some specifics contained therein. And I'm looking forward to that conversation, and I welcome you uh, to offer your thoughts on it as well. Where is the country now at approximately the two-year point of the Trump presidency? So uh, Pete has laid that out, and he'll uh, give give you the specifics coming up at about 10.05 this morning, and I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. You can offer your thoughts on the very same by dialing uh, dialing us at uh, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you in. You can also uh, express your thoughts uh, by way of Twitter at Radio Done Right, Radio Done Right, all one word, no spaces, no underscores, or uh, by Facebook at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. There's a really interesting piece, by the by. <laughs> it's interesting just in its silliness. But it's it's really funny. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just continues to out, to outdo herself in stupidity that she is just begging for memes and videos to be made of her. So, uh, yeah, we, we complied. <laughs> just about everything that you can think of. So it's on the uh, France Radio page right now at Facebook, or on Facebook, rather, France Radio. Uh, I'll talk about her latest gaffe in a couple of moments. But I want to start by talking about what I just mentioned about the Supreme Court, a... Shocking? Maybe. Depends on who you are, I suppose. Development slash revelation that the newly minted conservative Supreme Court, my goodness gracious, we had uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy, a swing voter, replaced by a conservative uh, Supreme Court justice uh, by the name of Brett Kavanaugh. The left fought so 
hard to stop Kavanaugh from becoming a a uh, you know a a conservative majority vote in the Supreme Court. They tried to do everything they could. They slandered him. They smeared him. They they defamed him. They called him a a, a rapist. They called him uh, an organizer of gang uh, uh, assault, sexual assaults on women. Uh, in, 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 in what, one of the most, not one of the, I would have to say it was the most contentious, ridiculous, disrespectful, horrendous confirmation hearings in the history of the court. And yes, that includes Clarence Thomas and the nonsense they put him through. Yes, that includes Robert Bork and the nonsense they put him through. But it was so important that the left keep him out because of what he was going to do to the court. Well, here was his first chance. Here was Brett Kavanaugh's first chance to prove them right. Yes, they were right to fear me, especially because I am pro-life. Ooh, wait until we get a Planned Parenthood or a Roe v. Wade uh, decision in front of us. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, well, all Brett Kavanaugh did was become the swing vote to side with the liberals. That's right. He joined by the by. The Chief Justice, John Roberts, in siding with the liberals, deciding specifically not to hear a case about Planned Parenthood receiving federal funding to perform abortions. That's what this was all about. The uh, case was brought by Louisiana. And the case was about Planned Parenthood obtaining, obtaining state funding for private citizens to have, uh, to have uh, state-funded abortions, essentially, by way of Medicaid, allowing poor people who are on Medicaid to use those funds for abortions. Um, of course, Planned Parenthood is famous for saying we never use any state or government funding for abortions. We use that funding for other things, and we provide uh, or we use uh, private donors' dollars to perform these abortions. And we all know that that is garbage because it is simply uh, just mis, you know, it's just allocating funds in different areas. The point is, without those federal funds, they wouldn't be able to stay operational and perform abortions in any way. So the dollars going to this pot or that pot, this account or that account, for this service or that service are irrelevant. They allow Planned Parenthood to stay in uh, operation and perform, performing these horrific um, Acts and Brett Kavanaugh and John Roberts sided with the four liberals to make this actually a six to three decision to oppose uh, hearing this case. And it is it is shocking to some again because if you were to listen to the fight over Kavanaugh that I just kind of uh, did a little bit of a recap of to listen to that. You'd be shocked that this happened because Kavanaugh was clearly going to argue on behalf of ending Planned Parenthood's funding, or at least in this particular case, not allowing them to use Medicaid funds for other services either because of what I just laid out. But Kavanaugh didn't even blink. He just joined Roberts and the liberals saying we're not taking up this fight. So much for this being a conservative Supreme Court. It's a myth. This is exactly what many of us feared. I'm not going to say I'm disappointed that they cho- that President Trump chose Kavanaugh. Obviously, I fought very, very hard for him, in as much as a talk show host can. Argued as much as I could on behalf of Brett Kavanaugh getting that position, because the left were were so opposed. What they, you know, I mean, it's, what's funny about it is they 
committed such an unconscionable act of public character assassination against the man, he could have been he could have been Sonia Sotomayor and I still would have tried to get him through. He could have been Kagan. He could have been any one of the most liberal justices that we've ever seen. Just because it's wrong to do what they did to him. But having said that, I, he wasn't my first choice. He was considered to be not as conservative as Gorsuch, who should be as conservative as the man he replaced, by the by, in Justice, uh, Justice Antonin Scalia. But he's not as conservative as Gorsuch, but I, but I thought he would be all right. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I was, you know, a little bit less than excited when he was the pick by the, um, uh, by the president of the United States, not a huge believer in his conservative bona fides and by conservative bona fides. Of course, I feel the need to to say this over and over again, because I never want to be accused of saying you're no better than the left. You're no better than the Democrats. They want liberals to, um, uh, legislate from the bench and you want conservatives to legislate from the bench. Not true. Not true at all. I always feel the need to clarify this. By conservatives on the bench, having conservative credentials, conservative bona fides, I mean that they're not activists from the bench. They're not legislators from the bench based on their own political beliefs. They are simply constitutional originalists. And that's what it's supposed to be about. What does the Constitution say? And, and, and generally speaking, conservative judges and justices um, abide by that, regardless of what it says, in what, regardless of how it, how it squares with their own political ideology. That's why somebody like John Roberts was so incredibly disappointing to conservatives um, when he did act, uh, you know, actively, how do I want to say that? He was an activist. Uh, he legislated from the bench on the Obamacare ruling. He went liberal on us. Rather than following the actual Constitution to the letter, he went ahead and found a way to change the Obamacare wording to make it constitutional. And he changed it uh, to to call Obamacare a tax, to call that individual mandate an actual tax. So the point to all of this is it was a terrible decision, in my view, as Kavanaugh joins the the liberals to uh, to protest, or I'm sorry, to protect Planned Parenthood funding, and the three justices in the minority on this, uh, they wrote a dissent, which is very rare in these cases, in a 6-3, to three, because this wasn't even, this needed to be 6-3. to three. This could not have been 5-4. to four. If this would have only been 5-4, to four, the case would have gone on and been heard. It had to be a 6-3 to three majority or better in order for them to say we're not hearing this. And in those cases, generally speaking, that as a rule, but not as a, a mandate, but as a rule, the conservatives in the minority, or excuse me, the justices in the minority don't necessarily write a dissent, but uh, Justice Thomas felt the need to in this particular case. He called out Kavanaugh, and he called out Roberts, not by name, but by vote. The dissent from Kavanaugh and Roberts was significant because he has gone, again, with the liberal wing to deny a review of a lower court decision that favored Planned Parenthood. So Thomas wrote in his dissent, a vigorous dissent, in part, so what explains the court's refusal to do its job here? I suspect it has something to do with the fact that some respondents in these cases are named Planned Parenthood. 
some tenuous connection to a politically fraught issue does not justify abdicating our judicial duty. If anything, neutrally applying the law is all the more important when political issues are in the background. Justices Alito and Gorsuch joined Thomas in the dissent, meaning there were three votes, like I said, in favor of taking the case, since four votes are needed for the court to take up a case. The opinion indicates that Roberts and Kavanaugh joined with the four liberals to deny that review. This could indicate that Roberts and Kavanaugh are both loathe to take up any abortion-related question so soon in the aftermath of Kavanaugh's Uh, contentious, to say the very least, confirmation hearings. Because this is what the left feared. Maybe Kavanaugh and Roberts both said, let's not do this now. The time is not right. Because this is going to restart uh, the fight. It's going to light them on fire again. They're going to immediately, once they take the House uh, next month, they're going to file for impeachment proceedings against you. Talking, This is you know Roberts conceptually talking to Kavanaugh. Uh, This is the wrong time for that fight. And maybe later, when this is revisited, perhaps in another case, that's when they will take up the fight. Maybe. That's my best case scenario. That's my hope that this is the only reason. Because if this is not, if it is not that, and this is just indicative of the political mindset of Roberts and Kavanaugh, that they don't have the stomach to do their jobs when it comes to matters of Planned Parenthood, as Justice Thomas declared, then we've got a problem on our hands. We do not have the conservative majority in that court that we thought we did. So I'm hopeful that this is just a matter of, hey, it's about timing. It's about timing. Republican state leaders in Louisiana, as I mentioned, and also Kansas, by the way, stripped Planned Parenthood of state and Medicaid funds. And this was challenged by Planned Parenthood. Uh, And, of course, that was overturned by a lower court, which prompted its appeal to the Supreme Court. And the Supremes say, nope, we're going to let the lower court decision stand. So Medicaid funds, government funds, taxpayer funds are now used uh, for uh, various services at Planned Parenthood, not specifically designated to be. Uh, abortion services. So if you have thoughts on that, we'll take your calls. 216 It's 20 minutes after 9 o'clock. It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 925 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Cursing out day today. He'll be around at 10.05 to discuss the uh, general direction of the country at the midpoint of the Trump presidency, the two-year mark of President Trump's first term. Peter wants to uh, uh, really kind of lay out where we are, so we'll look forward to that. Uh, I want to read just a couple more words from Clarence Thomas's dissent in the Supreme Court yesterday in their decision uh, not to hear a case challenging uh, the application of Medicaid funds in two states, Louisiana and Kansas, um, to uh, pay for various services from provided by Planned Parenthood because forcing Planned Parenthood, or rather, uh, not forcing Planned Parenthood to cover these costs on their own allows them to use other funds for abortion services. Um, Again, Kavanaugh and Roberts joined the liberals on this, so here are the words, some of the words anyway, from Clarence Thomas in his dissent, joined by Gorsuch and Alito. Some tenuous connection to a politically fraught issue does not justify abdicating our judicial duty. This is a direct shot at Kavanaugh. Because of this politically fraught, politically fraught issue, talking about the way this was politicized during his confirmation hearings, and the pro-choicers, the pro-abortionists, uh, just hated the idea of a pro-lifer like 
uh, Kavanaugh replacing a swing voter like Kennedy. Such tenuous connection to a politically fraught issue, writes Clarence Thomas, does not justify abdicating our judicial duty. If anything, neutrally applying the law is all the more important when political issues are in the background. The framers gave us lifetime tenure to promote that independent spirit in the judges, which must be essential to the faithful performance of the court's role as bulwarks of a limited constitution unaffected by fleeting mischiefs. We are not to consult popularity, but instead rely on nothing but the Constitution and the laws. That is so profound in its simplicity. We're not allowed to be affected by popularity of what the public says. We're not allowed to be affected by the politics of a case and whether or not Democrats or Republicans will be happy about it. Our job and we have been given lifetime tenure by the framers of the Constitution, is to promote the independent spirit in the judges, meaning we don't bow down, we don't kowtow to political um, pressures from the outside. Our job is to be unaffected by fleeting mischiefs. In other words, the the issues of the day, the political um, uh, issues of the moment. We are not to consult popularity, but instead rely on nothing but the Constitution and the laws. And our Republican-appointed justices, Roberts and Kavanaugh, chose to do exactly the opposite of that. Uh, Mark is in Fairview Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I just wanted to mention, uh, I was watching TV last night about 11, you know, the scanning a few stations. If there's anything at this time over, let's say, the last two years, or if there's anybody at this time who doesn't understand the lying and filthy deceit which emanates from, these, uh, from the media, especially the CNN and uh, MSNBC miscreants, plus other sources which we're well aware of, is certainly not doing their homework. But what bothers me most is this onslaught, massive onslaught of this latest attack dealing with these two extortionists how they already have the president convicted. You've probably seen this on MSNBC, and it's just unbelievable. But also, you know, how hardworking people, this bothers me also, how hardworking people, you know, they come home at night and only have time to see this crap on these news stations for 15 minutes, bashing the president night after night, you know, thinking they're hearing the truth. It's a very sad situation, but the only thing that made me feel a little bit better last night, they had to thank God for Professor Dershowitz's his appearance on, he was on Prager and uh, Fox and, and on a few other media sources last night. And boy, he chopped up some of these talking heads real well and let you know really where this whole thing stands. Uh, well, Dershowitz, yeah, Dur- fact, Dershowitz fact. is really, yeah, Dershowitz is really an amazing man. You know, he's a lifetime liberal. You know, a long time, of course, uh, a constitutional law professor at Harvard. He is uh, outspoken in his liberal beliefs, and, but he is fair and honest to his core. And he has given President Trump the benefit of so many doubts thus far because the law says so, not out of personal preference, but he's honest and he's upholding of the laws uh, as they are written. And so I agree with you. It is important. But the problem is you have to hunt and search for the few and far between people like Dershowitz who will provide the other side of the story. Because you're right, people turn on the news maybe for five or ten minutes, hear the anti-Trump leads to the news stories and believe that's what's going on. 
We have become a nation of headline readers when it comes to newspapers, when it comes to news articles, whether you read them in a physical paper or online. We're headline readers. And if the headline says, you know, Trump going to be impeached, or if it's, they see the words Schiff, Trump impeached, they believe it. He did something wrong. Trump, Russians, contact. Oh, see, they have proof now. And as a nation of headline readers, we're in serious trouble if we don't dig a little deeper than that. You make a very good point, my friend. I appreciate the call. I'll follow up on it after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. News. Opinion. Insight. This is AM 1420, The Answer. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Well, Deacon Blues, to get you rolling this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. I love that. Thank you very much. Professor Dr. Chaplain Airman uh, Lockhart uh, running the show today. I appreciate you being a part of that. Uh, phone lines are open now, 216-901-0945. This is a chance for you to get in. On a host of things today, because coming up at 10.05, Peter Kirsten will be joining us, and we're all going to want to sit back and listen to his brilliance. So if you've got a question for me or a point that you want to make, do it now. Uh, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. To the point that the last caller, I told him I would follow up on this after the break, and I'm going to do that now. To the point that he made about the way the the mainstream network news, you know, and again, he points out that people just turn on the news for five or ten minutes and they hear the, you know, talking points parroted. These are the leftists' talking points parroted by the mainstream media, their, their, you know, their branch, if you will, their, their propaganda arms. Um, you know, they hear the left talking about, well, Michael Cohen's uh, filing by the Mueller administration. I mean, clearly uh, they have Trump because he's individual one admitting to uh, agreeing to paying off these two women. You know, he's talking about the uh, porn star Stormy Daniels and the other one being a Playboy playmate. Their identities to me are, are irrelevant because I don't want to give them any more publicity. I know they're making money off of it. Stormy Daniels, by the way, for the sake of it, I, I just gave the identity identity of her, but it's not like you haven't heard that name. She's traveling around the country, uh, stripping at various clubs, and uh, she is more in demand than ever, and her price tag for her appearances on stage to do her little uh, strip shows uh, are, have gone through the roof, double, tripled, quadrupled in some cases from what we're told um, because of her fame and her infamy, if you will. So she's cashing in on this. I really don't feel like helping her, but there it is. She is in the news every day, and the argument is that well, clearly Trump, according to Cohen's uh, 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 statements in his agreement with Mueller, uh, Trump knew about these payments. Therefore, he's guilty of campaign finance laws and can and should be impeached. Campaign viol- uh, f- finance law violations, rather. And um, uh, he, he can and should be impeached. This is, this is what the left is sh- screaming. And this is what the leftist media wants you to believe as well. And I understand if you're not digging deeply into the news, I understand how that can frighten some people who are supporters of the president. But let me calm your nerves just a little bit and remind everyone of a couple of very key important points in that case. Number one, there is absolutely zero concrete evidence that any funds that were paid to quiet the uh, mouths of these two women who claim that they had sexual affairs with the president. There, there is zero evidence that those funds came 
directly from the president's campaign. That those funds were campaign-donated dollars used to silence these women, thus creating a breach of campaign finance law. There is zero evidence. Do we have to remind everybody that the President of the United States is extraordinarily wealthy? He's worth billions of dollars. He could have reached into his sock and pulled out $130,000 of his own money to give to Stormy Daniels and and just be glad that his his leg is more comfortable now or his ankle is more comfortable now. That's a goofy analogy or statement, but you see my point. He could could have found that much money in his his limo cushions uh, if he wanted to. He didn't need to use campaign dollars to pay these women off. And I would submit to you that it's extraordinarily unlikely that he did. He is funding his own camp, or he did fund, I should say, a lot of his own campaign. He can take those dollars and do whatever he wants with them and have it not impact campaign finance laws at all. But having said that, part B, even if, for the sake of discussion, just to give the left a little moment of joy, to give Chris Matthews a tingle up his leg, for the sake of this discussion, let's just suggest that he did tell Michael Cohen, Dig into the campaign fund, dig into the, the treasure chest or whatever, give them the money to shut them up so we can get back on with our campaign here. If he did that, it is not an impeachable offense, not even close. Barack Obama himself was found guilty of a violation of campaign finance laws, misusing campaign funds. And what did it net him? He, I, I believe the amount was some $3 million. He ended up having to pay a fine of some, I want to say 300000 or maybe it was $800,000 for his $3 million illegal use of campaign funds. And that's it. Pay the fine. Go on about your day. About your way and go on with your day. That's the way that it worked. But when Donald Trump, we're talking $130,000 for the porn star. Suddenly, this isn't just a, which would be a much, 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 much smaller fine than what Obama had. No, it's impeachable. It it is just so incredibly weak, the case that they have. There's an editorial today um, in uh, the Washington Examiner. Prosecutors in the Southern District of New York want you to know the real problem with President Trump paying off a porn star to keep her quiet about their extramarital fling is that his shady lawyer, lawyer didn't use campaign funds to do it. The legal reasoning here is is, uh, very difficult. The implications are absurd. It wouldn't be treated so seriously if this were not a Republican politician being targeted for political, or excuse me, potential prosecution. When producing and buying time for a campaign ad, the law says that a candidate must pay through his campaign. This ensures disclosure of whoever is funding the candidate's campaign. The same is true for other campaign expenditures, such as renting an arena for a rally, hiring security details for the candidate, and so on. Trump lawyer Michael Cohen now contends that his, in his guilty plea that he broke the law by paying hush money to two women who say they had sex with Trump. The argument goes that these payments from corporate accounts were secret expenditures by the campaign. Now, maybe Cohen has more evidence, but if not, the grounds for saying Trump broke a law are laughably flimsy. The argument is that since the hush money was paid to influence the election, meaning Because if people found out he had an affair with a porn star, people might not want to vote for him. 
it becomes a campaign expenditure, even if it was not campaign dollars, if it was Trump's private money from the cushions of his limo, as I said, or the, or the pocket change in his, in his uh, money clip. Because he used it in some way to, quote, influence the election, the argument is, it becomes a campaign expenditure. But by that logic, every dime, for example, that Chris Christie spent to lose weight before his 2016 run, the diet books, the Stairmaster, the bariatric surgery, was a campaign expenditure. If Christie bought a slim, fast shake with his personal money, does that make him a felon? (laughs) Because he was trying to improve his appeal to voters, to influence the election. Think about how silly that sounds. Former FEC Commissioner Bradley Smith posited another hypothetical. If a business owner ran for political office and decided to pay bonuses to his employees in the hope that he would get good press and boost his stock as a candidate, would that be a campaign expenditure payable from campaign funds? If a candidate who normally gets a $12 haircut shells out $40 for a better cut to look good before voters, is he a criminal for paying out of his own pocket? even though the idea is to look sharp in front of those news cameras? If a candidate pays a contested past due personal bill, only to make the headache go away before the debates begin, is he legally required to pay out of his uh, campaign coffers? Paying such expenses out of campaign funds would probably be unethical and possibly be illegal. So if you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, it's a pretty good sign that either the law... And this is, I'm going to quote the Washington uh, uh, Examiner here. Either the law is an ass or someone is not reading it honestly. Cohen pleaded guilty to this campaign finance violation to avoid prison time for more serious tax evasion issues. Just because he pleads guilty, it does not make Trump a criminal. Now, I want to follow up on that with two other points. Number one, uh, the the part about Trump uh, being guilty for something that Cohen declared him guilty of. This is a guy facing 42 months in prison. That's a long time. That's three and a half years of your life in prison. Michael Cohen is facing that with the guilty pleas and the uh, 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 acknowledgement in his mind that Trump was aware of these uh, expenditures and thus it became a campaign finance violation. Without them, he's facing, what, 10, 15 years in prison for all of his tax evasion? The idea that he you know, has a, a legitimate reason to want to lie and to cooperate and to throw uh, individual number one, i.e. the president, under the bus the way he did, is very, very plausible, very believable. Number two is the issue of extortion. Is this not the textbook definition of extortion? One individual telling another individual that they will go public with something to embarrass them if they don't pay them money. If you don't give me cash, I'm going to ruin your career. That's extortion. And that's exactly what Stormy Daniels and uh, the Playboy Playmate, and her name escapes me and it doesn't matter, like I said, I really don't feel like giving them more pub. But the two of these women were guilty of. They extorted the president. Is the payment of extortion money to shut people up from trying to ruin them, is that really a felony? seems to me that the victim here is the President of the United States. He's been a victim of of extortion by two women, two ambitious, gold-digging, 
let's get our hooks into this rich billionaire guy and now cash in a little bit. These are the perpetrators of crimes. The victim is the person forced to pay these women to be quiet in order to uh, not ruin their career and or their political ambitions. Extortion shouldn't be celebrated, and the victim shouldn't be villainized. Now, having said all of the above, I, I, I do also feel the need to say this. If it sounds like I'm defending the President of the United States and his horrible, horrible behavior, I am not. I, too, am very distressed by the President's personal conduct. I am very distressed by the President's multiple extramarital affairs with these women. And I'm assuming that there is some truth to them because of the president's decision to pay the extortion money. If he wanted to deny it and they had no proof whatsoever, he probably could. He could probably fight and maybe win a little bit more public support by saying I'm being set up by these these, uh, lying women or trying to say that I had affairs with them when I did not. He would deny it in the way that Bill Clinton did, even though Bill Clinton had done it. I tend to believe, because the president has always been, a billion, a billion dollar, billionaire, New York billionaire playboy. He has cheated on multiple wives. And I cannot condone that. I do not support that. I do not believe that is something to be defended by anyone. I feel terribly for his wife, Melania, having to acknowledge all of these things and to watch the personal life of her marriage uh, being exposed before the public in such a way having to stand beside her man or choosing to stand beside her man in the face of all of this and and do so with grace and class and dignity, which she has. I feel terrible for her, and I feel disgusted by the President of the United States for his moral, or rather, his immoral conduct in these affairs. I do not defend it any more than I would have defended Bill Clinton. I do not defend it any more than I would uh, John Edwards. I do not defend it any more than I would any one of these host of politicians who get involved in extramarital affairs. It is, it is conduct that is not part of you know, most of our value systems. But defending the president against the extortion by the two women and defending the president against the media trying to declare him a felon for using his own money to silence these women after the fact is a different story. Defending him against these these attempts to tear his presidency apart because of this is different than defending the acts themselves. So no, I do not condone, I do not support, I do not uh, appreciate the president's uh, personal conduct. I think he is a very, very flawed man, as are we all, dare I say, as are we all. We are all flawed because we are all human. None of us are Christ. Trump's flaws are very, very public. They're very, very embarrassing. These affairs and these cheating on his wife and all of these other things are very, very embarrassing. We can condemn those actions without turning them into criminal acts. It is not a felony to have an affair. It is not a felony to pay off somebody who is extorting you to try to silence them so that it doesn't embarrass you publicly. 
and it's not a felony to use your own funds to do so, apart from anything having to do with your campaign. If you have thoughts on it, let me hear you. 216-901-0945, We're back after this. Nine fifty four. Now the Bob Brands Authority, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Squeeze in a couple of phone calls here before the top of the hour. Don't forget it's cursing our day, and Peter will be joining us at ten oh five, roughly ten oh eight, maybe after the top of the hour. So uh, look forward to that. Jan in Cleveland, you're on the air now. Go right ahead, Jan. Oh hi. Uh, lately, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the, the woman taken in adultery and dragged off to Jesus to be uh, stoned. You know, should we stone her? Mm-hmm. And then he uh, start. Uh, supposedly writing down their sins and who's going to be first, and they all walked away, and then, you know, so he sent her away. And then, you know, in in this funeral that was very religious last week, all of those politicians in there said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. And (laughs) it, it gets to be kind of ridiculous. And speaking of tax evasion, I'm not sure if uh, the well-known uh, Reverend, who uh, is a free, frequent visit visitor to Obama's White House, he has a talk show. Um, Thomas Sharpton. I yes, yes, that's that's okay. who. Uh, has he paid up his uh, taxes, or no. how much time is he? How much time <laughs> is he going to spend in jail? It's been twenty five years since this guy uh, has been uh, uh, skating on those tax uh, on those uh, delinquent taxes, but they have no reason to go after him. They had a reason to go after Michael Cohen, as you know, because they're trying to get Donald Trump. Yeah, it's it's really getting down and dirty and almost ridiculous to to where where it's laughable. So. Yeah, it, it it really is, and and I completely agree with you. And and, and again, I, you know, I'm not I'm not suggesting that no one should vote for President Trump because of these affairs, but I can also say that I don't condone them. I don't support them. I don't think it's uh, becoming of the office of the President of the United States. But that is up to each person as to whether or not they want to forgive and walk away, as you said, or 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 you know uh, you know uh, forgive me my trespasses and and so on and so forth. Um, that's up to everybody. But my point is, it's a moral dilemma. It's a it's a values dilemma. It's a it's a personal code of conduct type of thing where you have to decide whether or not this is something that can affect your vote for president. Um, For me, his conduct is not something that I support. However, I do support the good that he is doing for this country. I do support the many accomplishments that he has been responsible for in two years as president. And I don't want the things that I do not support, such as that personal conduct. I don't want that to be something that is used against him uh, unfairly and unethically by Democrats and by the media trying to convict him of something uh, felonious uh, when there's clearly nothing uh, of the sort, uh, you know, that is evident here. I mean, literally zero evidence whatsoever of that. Uh, He's a victim. For all of the distaste that we might have for his affairs and his extramarital um, uh, infidelities, for all of the distaste we might have for that, we have to recognize that he's being victimized by two women and their high-powered attorneys who are extorting him for money to keep it quiet. And that is is where the true uh, violation of the law should be. Uh, Barbara's in Parma on AM 1420, The Answer. Barbara, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Barbara. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just wonder, with all the conversation going on about the hush money with Donald Trump and those two ladies of the night, um, 
is there ever going to be any exposure from the uh, Congress, I believe it's the Congress or the Senate, maybe both, that have quite a bit of money that's been paid out for similar situations, and it's, it's a fund that was maintained up in um, in Washington for yeah. those who just didn't want anybody to know what was going on back home. Yeah, these are a fund for settlement money to be paid to mm-hmm. uh, to people who accuse them of certain things, so that it doesn't get to a court, and hopefully they can get it done before the or get it quieted and get everything paid out before the media gets a hold of it. So aren't, uh, aren't they? Shouldn't they be held to the task of giving a, a little uh, information on that? Who it was paid to and who was yes. the person? I mean, you know, they... they you, you know the reason they won't do that, though, Barbara, is because, you know, there are there are Republicans and Democrats both who would be implicated. I think it's kind of like quid pro quo. I, I'll watch your back, you watch mine. We have a lot of peccadillos on our side. We know some of our members would be mm-hmm. extremely embarrassed if this got out. You know you have a ton on your side as well. How about we just use this fund, we just keep this quiet, it's just between us, and let's try to do better. I, they, none, of, none of them have an appetite for exposing all of their own little dirty, you know, all of on dirty oh, absolutely not! And I just, I just think that the time should come when this is, this is going to be the biggest, the big headline, and then watch and see how many of them squirm in their chairs. <laughs> yeah, well, the idea, Barbara, and thank you for the call. It's a great point that you make. The idea that that fund exists is just so counter to to everything that I think we we hold dear. You know, we and I, we know we're not electing altar boys. We're not electing, uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, nuns and priests, and I, that's a terrible analogy to make right now, given the state of the Catholic Church. But I'm trying to say we're not electing people who are truly are holier than thou. We know they are flawed people, but we do try to hope that those who represent us in the government, literally our representatives to Congress, they represent us. That we hope that we re- they represent our best selves and not our our morally. Uh, failing selves. And unfortunately, there are a lot of them that are, hence the need for that fund. Uh, Barbara, thanks so much for the phone call. It's 10 o'clock. Kersenow, next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.